We come from a place thinking that if we want their performance to get better, we want them to do better, we want to help them excel, then we are going to give them feedback. We think it's useful, but guess what? Science shows that it actually hinders development. You're listening to In The Hour with Jared Nichols. And Lolly Daskal. Lolly, here we are. Another uh, great conversation, I'm sure. No pressure. So I'm anticipating this one. This is a, a topic that that you are very passionate about and one that I am very opinionated about as well. So I am sure this will be a lot of fun. So anyway, Lolly, why don't you kick us off here? Set us up for this conversation today about feedback because it is one of these nebulous terms that anybody can define in any which way. So let's be really specific about how you define this and and uh, in the direction we're going to take today. So if you're talking, first of all, this is going to be a great conversation because feedback, people have very strong opinions about what they think feedback is and how it should be given. And today is a great time to unpack those two. What is it and how is the best way to really give it? And should we even give it? So if we, the topic I think that we wanted to cover today, and correct me if I'm wrong, is how leaders self-sabotage when giving negative feedback, right? Yeah. These days, leaders, managers, even athletic coaches, they're all bombarded to give feedback, to give it constantly, to give it directly, and to give it critically. That's what they've been told. If you want people to get better, then you need to give them feedback. But you need to give it to them in a way that's very transparent and is very radical and is very direct. You know, there's two organizations that come to mind. One is Bridgewater. They have this whole system called radical transparency, Hmm. where they'll tell you the honest truth about how you're doing. And then Netflix is very, very edgy when it comes to feedback. They're also about giving very harsh negative feedback and giving it to you in a way that they think is going to make you into a better person. Hmm. But this is what I have found, which is interesting. I've been doing what I am doing now for over three decades. When I first started, um, someone once said to me, feedback is a gift. And I went around saying it for a while, feedback is a gift because I care about you. So I'm going to tell you everything that's wrong with you so you can be better. (laughs) And I think about it now, and that is so arrogant. What I have found is that when people give feedback, especially negative feedback, there's misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. There's defensiveness and there's resentment. What do you think? No, I think that's absolutely right. I have my own personal uh, belief is, and I I didn't come up with this on my own like most things. I mean, uh, as we are humans and we learn from other people, but is that uh, valued feedback, but only solicited feedback. That's, you know, that's that's what uh, I tend to look at is that if I ask for your opinion, if I want your feedback, Lolly, then I value it. But if you just come up to me and give me your opinion, the first thing that I think about is like, well, this feedback isn't really for me. This is about you. And I'm like, no, I'm not. So I don't take it very seriously. But if I trust you and that's that 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 circle of trust or that uh, that what do we call it when we talked about your, you know, this I'm thinking of that circle that we how we reformed your whole (laughs) how I messed that up for you the last time. But it was but it's if you have that circle, that transparency and trust and you know you are in in a place where when somebody's giving you feedback, it's because they have your best interest in mind, then it's good. But nine times out of 10, it's not about you. 
And I want to talk about that, but not right now. I want a little bit later about when someone comes to you for feedback, yeah. what's the best way to give it that their mind is open to what you have to say? Because I don't know another human being that is listening to another person when they're telling them, you're not good at this and you're not good at that. Even if you ask for it, all of a sudden the brain shuts off. It turns off. And we want to be able to have a conversation where our brain takes in the information that we grow and evolve and develop. So we'll talk about that a little bit later, but let's get back to this whole idea about what is feedback and yeah. what happens to people when you talk to them. They didn't ask for the feedback, but it's your job as the manager and the leader to give them the feedback, right? Mm. So we come from a place thinking, this is a thought, that we think that if we want their performance to get better, we want them to do better, we want to help them excel, then we are going to give them feedback. We think it's useful, but guess what? Science shows, this is in research because I'm very passionate about this subject, it shows that it actually hinders development. It doesn't even help individuals, it actually shuts down the brain and people stop listening. They feel like, there's three things that happens to a person. Number one is, if you give feedback to an individual, the person, this is what they're thinking. Who is this person to give me feedback when they're not perfect themselves? Ah. They're talking to me about a truth, but truth is relative. So how come they're telling me what to do? So that's number one. Number two is, if you want to have somebody perform better. If you want someone to excel, you want someone to learn a new skill. Science also shows that if you criticize someone, the brain shuts down completely. Mm -hmm. So there's a way how to open up that brain. So if we wanna teach people how to learn and we're giving them this transparency, radical honesty feedback, it's, it's an ouch, it's people are like, wow, wow, what, I, I can't take it. it, people get overwhelmed. And thirdly, people want you to be excellent, right? They're giving you feedback because they have a standard of excellent. But guess what, Jared, if you think about excellent, let's, let's unpack this for a minute because I think it's very interesting, the word excellent, the standard of excellent. If you look at a, the best comic, if you look at the best leader, if you look at the best athletes, all of them are excellent but excellent in an individual way. None of them are exactly alike. One athlete who's excellent and another athlete that is excellent is not the same excellence. A great comic and another great comic, they all have their own way of being great. Think about all the great leaders that we admire. They're different from each other. So to give that one standard of excellent and say this is what you need to be is... I'm gonna use a harsh word, it's asinine because it doesn't work that way. Excellent is about being in, it's an individual. It's about the human being that is sitting or standing in front of you. What is their excellent? What is their standard? So for me, this whole idea of feedback because I'm gonna tell you the truth, I'm gonna tell you because you wanna learn and I'm gonna give you the standard of excellence doesn't really work. And that's the premise of where the challenge is. That's what I wanna talk about. What can we do now that it, that, that is, now that we've unpacked that. Yeah, well, there's a lot there. That's good. Uh, so the first thing that comes to mind, so starting at the end here of what you were talking about, the first thing that comes to mind, if we look at it from a high level, to me, this seems like uh, 
uh, all the confusion or the, you know, why, why did things like um, radical candor or radical transparency become so popular? Why did all that stuff, you know, start to take hold and everybody got excited about it? Well, for us, I know for you, for me, we're hardwired in a way where it's like, look, just tell me straight to my face. I want to know. If we want to know something, you know, don't beat around the bush. Just get to the point so that we can make decisions and we can move on. But most people are not wired that way. So thinking about it, I, I come to the conclusion that this is, this is symptomatic of our inability to communicate effectively in our culture. This has been going on for decades. And there has been this, so the communication is, is problem number one. The other part of this too, and I love that you were talking about the perfection. I, and I need to go find the information on this, so I'll go ahead and, and call myself out here is that I don't have exact data on this point, as you and I have talked before. If it's anecdotal, I'll tell you, hey, this is anecdotal. But I, I suspect, so this is a hunch, that this unrealistic expectation of having all the answers, so we call this imperfection, well, you should know, having all the answers, uh, knowing better, this is, this is part of living in the age of unlimited information. Because humans, we make decisions based on the amount of information that we have. Well, if we have unlimited information, we should, we conflate that with unlimited knowledge, not the same thing. And so we have this unspoken expectation that we put on ourselves that, hey, uh, if you don't know something, then don't let other people know because then they're going to think you're incompetent. So we've created this persona where we can't be honest and we cannot be fallible, right? We cannot make mistakes because we have all the information at our fingertips, which these things are just, these things are completely uh, ridiculous. So this idea of perfection and uh, relativity, even around like excellence, you're right. I mean, define excellence. This is the problem. We aren't specific. We have created this, this environment of ambiguity over everything. We see that today. That's been going on for some time. So I would think here that the number one thing to do to correct this is that before giving this open, candid feedback is to first agree on what are, how are we measuring this, right? Like, let's make sure here too that my feedback is based on the way that we measure this. And you and I have both agreed that this is how we define excellence or this is how we define good in this context. And uh, ensuring the person receiving the feedback knows that, look, I'm here to be on your team. Uh, but that requires a lot of honesty for the individual, for the leader, to say, look, I don't have all the answers. So so I'm not sure I agree with what you're saying. Can I say that out loud? <laughs> no, you cannot disagree with me because it's all relative. <laughs> because I'm thinking about my clients that I work with, and I'm thinking about the individuals that get feedback all the time. And I think we get into trouble when we measure it for them, when we define it for them. Oh no, it's a collaborative thing. You have to agree on it together. But think about it this way. I just wanna take it to another, think about it in another way, okay? If I, as an individual, has a standard of excellence, and I talk to you about excellence, I don't think we're ever going to come to the same point of excellence. Why? Because it takes me back to the first point of your truth is not my truth. Right. Let's give an example. Let's say you go to a doctor and you say to the doctor, I'm in tremendous, tremendous pain. You know your pain is tremendous. Your doctor listening to it says, oh, yes, tremendous pain. 
we each take that scenario and translate it from who we are and what our history is and how we've lived our lives. And so honestly, we could never be on the same page. Right. And I think it's the same with excellence. I don't believe that if we sit and define it and we collaborate on it and we clarify it, that we will be able to do a great job, that we're still on the same page. We will always fall short. We will always disappoint. So there is a solution. That's the great thing. The solution is, is to find out from the individual, what is excellent for you? What's the starting point for you? And then recognize it, reinforce it, and actually redefine it in a way that makes that individual grow because we get into trouble. And I see this all the time with my clients. We get into trouble when we say, this is excellent. It's a moving target all the time. And so that's the only thing I wanted to bring out and why I said I disagreed. I, I still, I still think we could have a conversation about it, but I don't think that people ever come to the same oh, no, no. understanding of what it is. So let me, so let me go back to this and, and be really specific. Um, when I think about, uh, having that, uh, you know, defining the measurement together. I don't think about like uh, creating some type of dogma or, you know, for, for a lot of times it's, hey, I'm going to convince you that my measurement is greater than your measurement. No, that's that's completely, uh, completely wrong. I actually see it as a much more simple thing. There's two factors that have to go into this, especially if you're in an organization. Number one is, like you said, and I completely agree, is what is excellence for you? How are you wanting to grow as an individual? And then making sure that the manager, the leader is really clear on that and understands and asks more questions about, let me understand what success and growth look like for you. But then there has to be, how does that now measure or how does that fit into the organizational goals? Because you know, you're not just bringing people in and be like, hey, this is a personal growth, that's college. How do you wanna grow, right? But if you're in an organization, it's how do you wanna grow and then how do we ensure that your growth is aligned with this organization and that this organization is helping you to reach your goals because the more satisfied, the more excited, the more motivated you are, the greater contribution you're gonna to make to this organization. But that requires a lot of, of uh, clear and open communication and it requires that level of trust. It all comes back to that. It's like you have to, as the leader, instill trust in your people. Um, you can't be, you know, uh, there's a lot of bullshitters out there. You can't, you can't be that. You've got to be honest. You've got to be straightforward. And that person has to believe that you have the best interest in mind. Otherwise, they're just, you know, they're going to sit tight until another opportunity comes along. People want to feel like they have a sense of ownership over their day-to-day -day operation and a sense of contribution. Absolutely. But, but the biggest mistake is, and we're talking about negative feedback and we're talking about radical transparency, is that focusing on people's shortcomings doesn't enable them to learn, it actually impairs them. Right. And that is something that I think we should pause and take that in because this is not just rhetoric, this is science, this is research. You know, the brain shuts down. You know, we all heard about, you know, fright and flight, you know, people, they feel they're being threatened. People, you know, you're giving them negative feedback, so they feel they're being threatened, they shut down and they disappear. Right physically, emotionally, mentally. And we want to be able to have that kind of relationship where we're learning from each other, where we're um, communicating and having a dialogue, which you talk about 
But I think it's very important that we recognize that isn't as individuals, we all have different starting points and we're all unique and you can't give the same radical, you know, feedback to every person. You can't give negative feedback. You have to be able to do it in a way that people hear you, understand you and take it in. So Lolly, what are some, and obviously without naming names, that'd be highly, <laughs> that'd be so out of the question. But are there examples that you can give of where you've seen this play out and maybe uh, where behaviors were changed and it created the optimal result for the person and for the individual or, and the organization? So I'm going to tell you, uh, uh, I'll tell you a great story that many people, I think, know, but it highlights what we're talking about. Um, you know, the legendary Dallas Cowboy coach, his name was Tom Landry. Mm -hmm. He had a struggling team. He had a team that was not doing well. Now, most other teams, when they want their team to do better, they review all the tackles and the drop balls of what everybody else was doing on other teams, and they learn from mistakes. What did Landry do? He went ahead and created a reel for each player of all the things that they did well, of all the things that they excelled at. He did not take the fumbles. He did not take the drop balls. He didn't take anything of that would make them feel bad or feel criticized. Now, the thing about it is he didn't, he didn't show them anything that they did wrong. He, did, he showed them everything that they did right. From that, he said to each player, we are only going to make reels and replay all our winning plays. Why? because he wanted to show them that they were doing something uniquely special as excellent and all they need to, needed to do is refine it, refine it, refine it until they do better. Yeah. And guess what? That he made a great, great, great team. What did he concentrate on? He concentrated on strength. He concentrated on wins. And because that is true, look what they turned out to be. A great, yeah. great team. Yeah. And that's just, that's a story that, talks about how we can do better. But you know what happened? You know what the science behind that is? Is because he talked about how good they were and how great they were and about their wins, their brain opened up to the feedback, opened up to the communication instead of shutting down. Mm -hmm. And they said, okay, we can do more of that. We know that. And so that's how you create excellence. Yeah. Well, it, it, it reinforces something else backed up by science, too, is that we are biologically designed to work together. And so when you, re, when you are only focusing on where you are failing as an individual, which, again, we as individuals, we know our shortcomings. So when somebody else points out those shortcomings, it creates that shutdown because it's telling our brain, you do not have a valid role in this tribe you are not bringing anything of value to the success of our species, right? Like it gets down to that level. But when you focus in on, you say, hey, you reinforce the things that that person does really, really well. It creates, uh, it creates a chemical reaction. When you talk about the opening up of the brain, more dopamine comes in. People feel more like, okay, I have purpose. I have a job, I have a role. And then what does it do? It makes them want to do better. Not just of the things they already know they're good at, but they start actively looking for themselves on, here's where I'm also short. I'm going to go ahead and work on this because I would love for people to recognize this as well because I want to contribute more to my 
tribe, to my species, to my organization. Right? It's basic stuff like that. Human need is, I already know where I'm short. I already know my shortcomings. You don't have to tell me. How about you tell me what I'm doing really, really well? You know, because I need a dopamine rush. <laughs> you know what's interesting about what you're saying is that people always say, I love when people say this, is that we grow when we're out of our comfort zone. But that's not true. There's a real contradiction there because when we're out of our comfort zone, the only thing that our brain is talking about and the only thing the brain is thinking about is how am I going to survive this? They're, they're not thinking, how am I going to excel in this? The only thing is I need to survive this experience. So it's very, very clear that we need to get into our comfort zone. We need to get into our strengths because that's the natural pathway to becoming you know, better at what we are. There's more concentration. We can focus. We can, we can design our excellence when our brain is more adept and more open when we're more comfortable. Because out of our comfort zone, you're scared to death, you're anxious, you have stress, and you're not really thinking about, okay, I need to do great work here. So I think it's very, very important to realize scientifically what happens when you get that, right, that um, negative feedback. But the great thing is there are many solutions of how to give feedback. And I want to just talk about one. This is not when someone comes to you because I want to talk about when someone actually asks for feedback. This is something that I do with my clients that work brilliantly. So I'm going to give you some secrets here about what I teach um, top leaders around the world to give feedback in a way that people will stay open, will take it in and will actually grow and develop because of your conversation. So think about it this way. Never ever say, can I give you feedback? Cross that off your list. Thank you. So what you can say instead, this is something to try, say to that person, here's my reaction. Talk about self without talking about the other person. Just say to them, here's my reaction. Instead of saying, you know how we always say in feedback, oh, good job, good job, good job. Let's try something else this time. Let's try as a leader, as a manager, as a coach, let's try this. Here are three things that really worked for me. What was going through your mind when you did those three things so well? What do you think happens when that when we say that to a person? All of a sudden that person is like, "Oh, I did something well. Oh, let me tell let me tell you what I did well." You become open, you in I actually think you pinpoint what you've done well. So it's concentrated on what you're doing well. It reinforces what you do well, and you'll continue to do what's well. And that's the difference between just saying good job, great job, you allow this, remember you talked about to have a dialogue, a collaboration? Here's the collaboration. This is the kind of collaboration that you have. Tell me what you did great. I'll give just one more example. Instead of saying, here's what you need to do, here's where you need to improve, a leader, a manager, a boss should say, or could try, not should, could try, here's what I would do. Here's what works best for me and this is why it works best for me. So the person remains open, the person remains curious, and the person is, oh, I could learn from this person. Doesn't mean I will do it, but at least I have an understanding of their thinking. 
So these are some of the things that really, really work and they get you the results that you want. They get you the effectiveness and the productivity that you're looking for in your employees. So why not try it? I've done this for years and it really, really works. Yeah, no, and I, I think that's important. And uh, a couple of things come out of that, that um, obviously in certain situations and organizations, and again, f full transparency, I have never worked for anyone a day in my professional career. So from the time I got out of college, so I'm saying this based on my interactions with executives and organizations, right? I used to jokingly say, look, executives don't come and hire me to help them be better corporate people. They don't, you know, it's a much different arrangement that we have because I had tell them, like, listen, I, that's why I've never worked for anybody. I could not handle a lot of this craziness that goes on in these situations. I don't have the stomach for it or the patience for it. So when I think about feedback, I want to put that out there and, and, and just so listeners understand where I'm coming from on this. I, I do recognize that there are required moments of feedback. Employees are required to get feedback, whether it's their performance reviews or any of those things that can often seem like just, you know, ugh, you know, this is awful. But when it comes to sincere uh, and intentional growth, either for an individual or an organization, I think a couple things need to be established for effective feedback. Number one is this, is be specific on as the person receiving feedback, if possible, be specific on what it is you want feedback on. Generalities and vagueness open the door for feedback on things you don't really want feedback on because maybe it's something you're already working on or maybe it's just, it's not even an issue. It's like, hey, you know, for me it's, hey, Jared, I think your beard should be longer. And I'm like, yeah, totally, I'm already working on that one, right? You know, but if I ask specifically and state up front, hey, Lolly, this is what I've been working on. I've already done these things here. I am struggling in this one area and I'd really like to get your feedback on it. Here's what I already think I'm doing, right? So the ownership and the, uh, the sense of ownership for the person receiving feedback is being established. Those boundaries are being established on the front end. Then the person giving the feedback is able to be very specific and focus in on what's truly gonna help you who's receiving that feedback. The worst is if somebody says, hey, can you give me feedback on this project? My first question is always, what part specifically? Because, you know, like, tell me exactly what, because I, I assume you're a competent individual and there's a specific part you want me to get to. Don't create like this mystery where I have to guess and you want to see if I notice the same flaws you do. We don't have time for that. It's like, if you want me to help you, help me help you by being very specific. So that's number one. And there's probably more than just one in there. The other thing is something you said earlier uh, that, I just think we should sit on for a second uh, is this idea of excellence. And you talked a lot about this and the way I'd sum that up is that excellence is contextual. It changes based on the context about how, what's going on, what are we doing right now and how are we, how are we defining excellence as a group. So that's contextual. The other part of that is that measuring excellence is collaborative. So we as a group, or we as you and I, the two of us, or the 12 of us, have to measure excellence. We have established it because it's contextual, but the collaboration is saying, this is how we know we'll be successful. How will we know it if we trip over it? And when everybody understands that, we have created a foundation so that feedback given on top of an agreed upon foundation removes unnecessary ambiguity 
and creates a place where nobody can sit there and retreat to, well, I got my feelings hurt, or I did this, or, you know, Lolly was too brash, or whatever it might be, and say, we all agree that this is how we measure excellence. How do you think you're stacking up right now? And then how can we improve together? So I just want to say something on that. That was excellent, excellent, and I agree wholeheartedly. This is something that I say to a nauseam with all my clients. If you see someone doing something well, stop and dissect it. That means talk about it. What was excellent about it? What did you like about it? What did you learn about that? And I think that's very important because then it is exactly what you just, just described. And But when you dissect it, you let the brain learn, you let the brain feel good, and the brain learns a new way of excellence. Yeah. So it's a win-win for both. So I wholeheartedly agree with what you just said. But guess what? I'm scared to tell you. I have a system of when, because you know me and my system and processes, and I do work in organizations every single day. Not not that I myself am in an organization. You know, I'm a coach and a consultant, but I am in the environment of business and big business. Yeah. And so I create processes and systems because I think it's important that if something works to be able to duplicate it and replicate oh, 100%. it. Oh, I'm totally with you there. I, I do the same thing. Yeah, I don't work for organizations I, I or in them. I, I help them. But yeah, we have to have those processes and systems. Tell me about yours. So everybody be prepared because even though I've been doing this for a long time, Jared's going to come at the end and change the whole thing up 100%. and rename it and then move things around. But I hope he doesn't because this follows a linear pattern. I hope he doesn't um, rename it like he did with our <laughs> circle of success. But you want um, me to take ownership, uh, right? So <laughs> go that for was it. Excellent. Thank you. So, We've collaborated on that. <laughs> absolutely. So. If someone comes to you, because we before we talked about if you want to give feedback, right? And there's a certain way of doing it. So we remain, the brain remains open without taking flight. If someone comes to you and says, I need feedback. I want feedback from you. I know that project wasn't great. I know that call didn't go as well as it needed to go. So I call this the PPF. Here it goes. It's the present, the past, and the future. No way. When someone comes to you and asks you for feedback, you're going to change it already? You don't like no, the PPF? No, no, no. I, I have another assessment. I have an assessment I haven't used for years called the PPF. It was, But it's different. It's about assessing where you are, where you've been, and like making better decisions for the future. So that's why I was just laughing there. So uh, so here it is. It's under. I think it falls under that premise because you say to this person that has come to you and you say, okay, tell me three things that you're doing well now. Now you might think this has nothing to do with what the subject matter that they're talking about. That's okay. We're doing it for a reason. We're doing it because we want, as you talked about so brilliantly before, we're priming their oxytocin. We want them, what we call the love drug, right? We want that to be engaged and we want them to be creative. So we're not gonna talk about the situation at hand, but we're gonna talk about what are three things that you're doing right now, that you're doing well now, that you're excelling well now? So at least the brain is open for a collaborative conversation, for a dialogue, and it, pre- it preps it for what's going to happen next. So I think that's very important, that we open up the brain in order to hear. And how do we do it? By talking about the present. That's my P. The second P is the past. I think it's very important that we say, 
what did you do in the past that worked that made this same situation maybe a little bit better? What you're doing is, is that you're helping the person identify patterns. What you're doing is you're, you're, see, we have, like, I feel a computer chip in our brain, right? That gives us all our experiences, that gives us all our patterns and all the things that we've ever been through before. And if we ask that open-ended question, what did you do that worked in the past? Your brain is going, you know, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. What did I do? How did I do it well? And it kind of makes you go inward, right? Lead from within. There it goes back to what my premise is all about, (laughs) is that I am sure there was something that worked in the past that you could use a, a certain nuance in order to move it forward and enable to make whatever isn't working much better. How many times when someone comes to you, oh, how do I do this? How can I do this? And we're the first ones to say, do this, do this, right? We have all the opinions and we're all opinionated. Well, guess what? We have that information inside us. We just need people to ask us that open-ended question. What did you do that work? That we can feedback to them. We're doing the feedback to the individual. This is what I did. This is what worked. And, oh, maybe I can try this again. So that works, right? So number two, this is the the last thing, and I'm sure you're going to change it all up. Nope. This is about the future. <laughs> no? You're so oh, far? No, okay. This is about the future, this is definitely. The last thing. Okay. So the future is, what do you already know that you need to do? And what do you already know that works in this situation? And what can you do in order to make it better moving forward? So it becomes a complete circle of trust, of feedback, of dialogue that guess who's solving the problem? I am, not the person that you're asking advice. You're just being that wonderful coach, that wonderful individual that can ask those open-ended questions, that can ask those open-ended questions that need to be answered because we already have the answers to what we need to do. And that's the kind of feedback that really works small business, big business, conversations and relationships, Mm -hmm. conversations with coaches, with bosses and CEOs. Oh, yeah. No, I think that's exactly right. I'm not going to change up your model either. I think it's great. It's making me want to go back and look at my PPF assessment I created years ago. And I just haven't done it. It was okay. (laughs) So now I'm thinking, oh, man, maybe we we can. Here we go. Here's one of our words. Collaborate. (laughs) But I think that's exactly right. We have to... It all comes down, if we simplify it all, it all comes down to uh, the person who gives feedback, the coach, the leader, whoever that might be, their job is really to pull out the best of what's in the other individual. Because for us to move forward successfully, everybody has to be firing on all cylinders at their best. And we know, based on science, based on just and anecdotal evidence. Just watch what happens when you give somebody a compliment and start to highlight what they're doing great and not pay as much attention to things that might need minor tweaks, right? Uh, they, they, they jump through the roof. They, uh, they, their, their performance increases because they feel like they have a place. They feel like their contribution is valuable. Um, this, is, this is something I think that every, especially people that are wired, and I'm, I'm gonna call myself out on this, People that are wired like me, so I'm, uh, we've talked about, I'm not a big fan of personality tests, but we have talked about the Enneagram because I think it's great. I'm an eight. You are too, Lolly. Yeah, we're down to the core. We just get straight to the point. If you say so. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, well, you have to take the test. (laughs) But it's, so we, you know, everything is very much, we'll just get to the point. 
uh, and it, we're often seen as being, uh, you know, just really direct, and that can be almost you know, like hurting people's feelings. We're like, whoa, that's never our intent, or that's never my intention. I want to see the best out of you. But I've had to be more conscious about, okay, let me slow down. Let me slow down and think about how this is coming out and sounding to somebody else. I have to preface in a very genuine way because the other thing too is we don't want to sit there and be, you know, uh, you know, we don't want to patronize and be like, so, you know, let me start by telling you what you're doing great. It's more of, hey, let me just be really honest. I'm not good at doing this very much. I want you to know I think you are doing an amazing job. Here's some of the things that I think that are going really well. But I do want to see us work better on this area here. And then create that as a, as a dialogue. I have to tell people so many times, um, it's okay to push back. Please do tell me if you think what I'm telling you is wrong. I want to hear it. You won't hurt my feelings. Conflict is my love language. <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> so I do think that A-type personalities, which a lot of CEOs really are, visionary, they move fast, people have a hard time keeping up. It's important to slow down. Uh, not change who you are. Just be honest with who you are and call yourself out before the conversation starts. Say, look, I know my shortcomings. Uh, I get to the point too quick sometimes and um, it may seem that I'm not slowing down and taking time to listen. I want to do that a lot better. So please understand my intention here is that I, I want to see the best come out of you. And if you're just honest like that, uh, that works wonders in the mind of the other person who just needs to know that you're not there to eat them alive. Interesting. Interesting. For me, you. Um, you know, type A persons um, being very direct. I find that sometimes the directness is too much. Right. Um, sometimes I find so that's why I, I like to suggest some things to try. Um, but I want to circle back to something that we talked about earlier. And I, I don't want to forget this. And I think it's important when we're giving feedback and we ask for you know, what did you do? Um, what should you do in the future? This is a very important point that I left out before that I think it's uh, important to mention. Don't ask the question of why. Never ask the question why. Because don't ask it, why did you do that? What, because it le why leads to very fuzzy concepts. It doesn't lead to concrete um, solutions. The biggest question that you can ask about going into the future is what? What do you think is actually going to happen? What do you think we need to do? What are the couple of actions we should take today in order for the future to be better? The what is more of giving you the actual things that you could do that to bring you to the success that you need. So that's very important to remember in that PPF um, is where when you think of the future, don't ask why, ask what. Hmm. Secondly, you talked about um, there are some people that like direct. There are some people that want to be fed immediately. And so I'm just going to give a suggestion. I like things direct, but instead of someone saying to me, I don't like the way you did that, Lolly, um, I would like something more like this when it sounds like, um, when I hear you say that, Lolly, this is what you know, I hear it as, and I don't feel we're on the same page because that yeah. to me is very clear. Yep. But the saying to me, Lolly, I don't like this and I don't like that doesn't work for me. Right. And I'm a very direct human being. But when you hear, when you say we're not on the same page or that's exact, that's not where I'm coming from, where, do you, where are you coming from? I just think it lends itself to 
having a layered conversation that you normally wouldn't have if you go straight to the point. Yeah. So I'm, I know I keep going back to that. And your point of view on this, on this podcast is give it to me direct. Yeah. And my point is give it to me in a way that we stay in a dialogue. Right. No, I, I'm a, I completely agree. So that's where these funny things like direct, I guess it depends on how people define direct. When I say direct, it's more like just, you know, get to the point. I mean, if we're if it's already assumed when I say that, that the person I'm getting feedback from or conversing with, we have a, we have a sense of trust already, right? So now if that's not present, then the directness may not be as effective. But I, I like where you're going with this. I, I really do because, um, and and this is, this is the case for relationships. Uh, if one of the things that really breaks down when it comes to giving feedback or having a constructive conversation to move people forward is if somebody, and this is for me personally, I appreciate directness, I appreciate uh, uh, people just telling me what they're thinking so that we can, we can start to tackle that. But if somebody tries to, in a conversation, say, um, well, Jared, you're just this way, or you do this all the time. They start to create these exacts or they start to sum up and say, let me tell you how you are. I immediately just start like, now we're fighting because that's just completely disingenuous. You know, that's not about me. That's about you. It's like, I know I have flaws. I said, but I'm not going to sit here and attack you. I said, I need to hear from you how things sound so I better understand the perspective, your worldview, how you're viewing this because my intention and the um, uh, the reaction or the outcome can be completely different. I had so that's why I have become much more conscientious about saying, "Listen, if it sounds this way, I need to under make sure that we're on the same page." So if something sounds harsh or if something doesn't sound right, I want to make sure I understand how this is coming across to you so that we can move forward. Like if the goal is the same, we should be working towards that. But if we try to sum each other up or to put each other in boxes, that's not moving forward. That is that is a defense move. That is a I'm gonna I'm gonna close up and point all the wrong things with you. And every time you do this, it's you know for me, um, yeah, that's that's one of those that I just I don't like. I recognize, but I also I don't immediately. Let me let me also say this. I don't think the right thing is to turn around and say, okay, well, you know, now we just can't have a conversation. Um, I definitely do push back and say, hey, look, no, 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 let's not go there. Like, call it out for what it is. Like, let's not go into defense mode and try and point problems out with each other or tell each other who we are. I said, if we're serious about having a conversation, if we're serious about moving forward, we have to approach this uh, with a, an open and learned mind that says, I want to better understand how you're seeing the situation so that I can adjust and communicate effectively and remove any obstacles so that we can actually accomplish that shared uh, goal that we've already stated. Absolutely. Very well put. And, you know, I think to sum something like this up, I think we can think about it this way is as human beings, we do not do well when someone whose intentions are unclear, tell us where we stand, how we should do things, um, what is good, what is bad, or how we need to fix ourselves. It doesn't really work for us as human beings. We only excel, okay, when people who know us and care about us tell us what their experience is from their point of view, tell us what they're feeling, tell us what they're thinking, and tell us in a particular way of what works for them, 
That's how we learn. That's yeah. how we stay open. And this whole notion that only the bravest and only the finest can take this toxic thing of feedback, radical honesty, I think is not true. It's not true. It, it, I think it's um, detrimental to organizations all around the world. And I see this all the time that you start to feel insecure if you're not the one that can take this, you know, harsh feedback, this negative feedback, it doesn't work. And yeah. science proves it over and over again. So even if you have the best intentions, giving uh, sabotaging, you know, I'm sorry, if you have the best intentions of giving negative feedback, it does sabotage your leadership. There is a cost for you as a leader. And so I think it's very important to revisit how are you giving feedback and who are you giving feedback to and how are you defining your feedback? Are you telling people how excellent is and they're saying, I don't understand what he means or what she means? This is something that we need to rethink. I think that's why I'm so passionate about this subject. Yeah, definitely. You know, and out of this conversation, you know, something I'd said earlier that I want to explore more, not right here, but uh, maybe for another conversation is this idea that, uh, that excellence is contextual and measuring excellence is collaborative because uh, we, if, if there's a foundation that we all agree on that we're striving towards, it eliminates all the bullshit. It eliminates all the stuff that stops people from actually moving forward and getting stuck in the weeds on ambiguous ideas and, well, I, I see it like this. Well, I see it like that. No, we've all agreed that we see it like this at its foundation in most simple, practical ways. Now, how do we use this so that we can all move forward together? If we have that in place, then it, it helps us. It really, it also helps to identify people that aren't serious about moving forward which would make it a whole lot easier to identify those that need to be brought in and those that need to be moved out. And so, yeah, we need that now more than ever, not just in organizations, but good Lord, we need that in our country, in the U.S., in all around the world, really. So we'll save that one for another day, I'm sure. That's a great, we can have another conversation about that. So if I think about it, if I was to sum this up, and really think about, you know, talking about excellence and talking about learning and talking about truth, right? My truth, I don't want it to become your truth. I think that leaders and managers, athletic coaches, even parents, spouses, if you want to help individuals, if you want to help your team, if you want to help students, if you want to help your child, if you want to help your colleague, then I think it's important to start with by seeing what works, what is working for them, and then stopping them and saying, yes, that's it. You got it. You are doing that great. And sharing that experience with that person of what you did well, like Landry did, right? That yeah. reel of win of what did you do well? Let's watch it over and over and over again. Because feedback at its best, and this is what I have found with my clients, is anchored in what is good and what you have done well and from your experience and from your thoughts. And this is the way we keep people from getting defensive. This is the way we keep people from having breakdown in communication. And this is where we keep the brain from shutting down. So if we want to avoid breakdown in communication, defensiveness, arrogance, all those things in our organization, I think it's important to name excellence and highlight it and dissect it. I love it. There's nothing for me to add to that. I think that's the perfect way to end the show today. 
nicely done. All right. Thank you, Jared. Always, always interesting. Yeah, always enjoy these conversations. Thank you for listening to In the Hour podcast with Lolly Daskal and myself, Jared Nichols. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, I strongly encourage you to do that. And of course, if you know someone, friend, family, colleague who could benefit from this episode or from being a subscriber themselves, please pass this along. Also, leave your comments, your questions. We want to hear from you. We want to know what's on your mind and what you're thinking about in this time of change and, and what you want to hear more about. As always, thanks again for listening, and we look forward to being with you next week.